created in his image to the degree that we can think and reason and have logic. And I think that is um, one of those things that uh, the Lord uh, delights in us in spite of our, our shortcomings and our failures and uh, some of our choices that, uh, that, that we make. And so from that, uh, from that point of view, uh, I think um, it's uh, interesting to think about it. And we have to assume that the w- way that he uh, did this, did this predestination and did this free will and uh, included these kinds of actions, uh, that um, it was it was a, a test, but it was also when we um, chose him, uh, when we believed him, when he gave us faith. Then from that point on, we uh, we certainly uh, uh, I think it kept him uh, busy observing and watching and seeing how. His plans were rolling out. So that's sort of a summary of what uh, I'm going to be uh, talking about. It looks like time-wise, we're right, uh, right at the right at the correct time. Uh, I have 8:30 here, and so uh, without uh, further delay, I think I'll go ahead and and start out with a prayer, and then we'll uh, get into this, and hopefully. Uh, 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 some of you will begin to think about these things and, and maybe uh, draw some uh, similar conclusions that I I have been uh, doing as I uh, as I go through my lesson. So our heavenly God and Father, we thank you, Lord, for each one that's come our way tonight. We'd ask that you'd bless each of us, that you'd give us enlightened minds, so that we might be able to better understand you and and your creation and uh, the reasoning for the for the creation it seems that um, uh, there are several uh, individual saints who were chosen out for examples uh, we see that in the book of Hebrews we also see it in uh, in Genesis and actually lots of places in the scripture uh, I think of Job also was another individual he was given a very privileged position, and I think he's a really good example. And of course, the Apostle Paul, who said that he is uh, an example, and that we were to follow him as he followed uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, with that, we will uh, go ahead and uh, begin our lesson. And uh, I've asked uh, Chip to uh, go ahead and uh, post the first three verses of Genesis chapter one. So that's where we're going to. Uh, going to begin. So it says, uh, open there. In the beginning, and I think we can leave out the word be there and just say, In beginning, God created the heaven and earth. And the earth was without form, form and void. So I'm just imagining God in a in a, in, a, in a vast um, place or space where it's completely dark and the and the earth is that way also. And so he says in darkness 
was upon the face of the deep. And as I think about God, I think one of the things that, that He is is light. And so I think of darkness as being just the opposite of light. And so it, it goes on to say, And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And so He, he came into, the whole creation came into existence, not exactly all at the same time, but over a period of six days. And and it, uh, how God did it, He just spoke it. Whatever He spoke, that's what happened. It says the Spirit of God was was the the mover or the person who moved and caused these things to happen. And it says in verse three, and God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. So that's one of the one of the attributes that we can give uh, to God is is that He is light, and. I think if you think about creation, think about him being in the darkness, uh, that one of the things that he wanted to accomplish was to bring about the light so that we could uh, see and experience his creation. It says uh, in verse 4, And God saw that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And so this... uh, this ability to be able to evaluate what his creation meant, his statement that it was good, uh, or if we just say that uh, he could evaluate what he did in getting rid of darkness by shedding light upon the creation. No, let's go to chapter 26, or not chapter 26, but verse 26, sorry. And we're going to read down to uh, 31. So he goes, let's see, down here a little further. Scrolling down to 26. He says... And God said, let us, and I think the yes would be the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And the words that he's using here give us an indication that we could be, we could be seen, we could be known. And that we would be similar uh, in, a, in a fashion with given um, certain abilities to be able to think and to reason and to understand God, the Godhead, even Jesus Christ. He says, this is another really good point that he says. He says, let them have dominion. So from the very beginning of creation, he was thinking about man being able to have dominion. And I was thinking about the angelic host also, which uh, I think they, especially uh, Lucifer, 
But I think the others, they have that that uh, ability to be able to dominate. And he says, a man was given dominion over the fish of the sea. And he says, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Whether this was a uh, a position uh, that Satan could have had or a position that he ended up uh, getting because of uh, his uh, failure to want to worship God want to worship the Lord Jesus Christ uh, I'm not 100% sure of that but I, but I believe that Satan, Lucifer Satan after he fell Lucifer before he fell had that ability to be able to have dominion and he used that dominion to try to reach his goals which I think was he wanted to be like the Lord Jesus Christ and receive worship and so um, I think when you start thinking about creation thinking about who's created uh, these are the, the 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 ones that are created in God's image. They are similar to Him, and uh, have the ability to be able to have dominion over others. So it says in 27. So God created man in His own image. And by the way, the world wants to deny this. Uh, this uh, being God himself and they don't want to give him credit for any of his creation but some of us want to we want to worship we want to know more about him we want to know how he thinks what he thinks about and uh, we want to know uh, some things about his creation so it says, in the image of God, created he him, male and female. That seems to be something the world right now is confused about. Of course, when you take God out of the picture, then you can get things confusing. They appear to be, uh, to be no rhyme or reason why he would create male and female. But, but we know for, for reproduction that it's important that you have a male and female of the species to start with. So he says, male and female created he them. It doesn't mean a man can't uh, make, this, uh, make this more confusing, uh, and they seem to be wanting to do that more and more nowadays. But it, it's, it's, a true, it's a true fact, and it's good. He, goes, he says that, just in a few more verses, and he's in, he, when he finished uh, his creation on the sixth day, that it was good. So he says uh, in 28, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. So, that, so God is giving man, of course in this case it's Adam and Eve, a lot of power, a lot of um, dominion. 
and he is he is required then to start naming some of these uh, these creatures, and he and he does. So he goes on to say, um, as I said in the verse before, God blessed them, and God said to them, "Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it." So I I uh, get the uh, impression that before uh, God created light or the sun, uh, that there was some uh, perhaps something that maybe just seeds but when it says to replenish the earth it mean it means that he was to uh, uh, you know watch over it protect it uh, guide it uh, feed it um, do everything that was necessary to help it to um, to be uh, a place where, where where man could live and and dominate have dominion he says, uh, replenish the earth and subdue it. Uh, this may have been a, a problem for, for uh, Satan when he fell and he was cast down because uh, this dominion, uh, Lucifer, had more power than uh, Adam had, I think, at least initially. And uh, as he uh, was cast down, I think he, I think he lost some of his uh, abilities uh, that he had before, but you know, God knew in His creation who He wanted to be in charge, and it wasn't the angelic; it was uh, man, a gift that He gave mankind. So He says, "Subdue so it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over everything that moveth on the earth." By the way, all these things that can move on the earth uh, are, have souls, or they are souls. Um, they have um, very similar uh, abilities. The, the movement is a very important thing. And then I think they also have an awareness of God. Uh, I don't think they think like humans think, but I think that they, uh, they, they are what we would call solical. Uh, if we, we're not going to read it right now, but in Genesis 2:7, it just states that um, uh, that we that God formed out of the dust, dust of the of the earth, and formed man, and breathed into his uh, nostrils the breath of life, which we uh, in the in the Bible we call the the Neshama spirit that uh, God gave us. So it's more than just uh, taking in oxygen and exhaling carbon uh, dioxide, but rather its uh, ability to be able to understand and know the Lord. So, so it's very important, and so it's very important that we know that we are solical, uh, not that we have a soul in, independent, uh, because it's the combination of uh, the body and the in the spirit, the neshama spirit. It gives us that ability to be able to think and reason and and get to know him. So he goes on to say, uh, uh, I'm giving you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree in the which is the uh, fruit of the um, yielding seed. To you it shall be for, for meat or, we would say, food. 
Then in verse 30, he says, uh, And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the, uh, uh, upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. And God said, saw everything that he had made. And behold, in this case, it was very good. So you could say in the other case, he, he mentioned his creation and said it was good. In this one, he, there again, he's the only one that can judge properly. He states that it was very good. And he says in the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And that's uh, important that we realize too. Uh, there's a lot of de- debate about whether this was six 24-hour days. It certainly wouldn't have to be, but it, but it could be. It could take as long as it needed to take for him to speak it and for it to happen. Now let's go to chapter two, and we're going to read uh, verses one to nine. Uh, so he says, "Thus the heavens and the earth were finished." And by the way, it's important that we remember it was the sixth day. Because when we get to the seventh day, as we read here, we're going to see that the Lord had stopped creating anything. And, and that means that man did not have any part in the actual creation of the earth. God did that. God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And so he goes on to say, The heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day... God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day. I don't think that God was tired. I don't think that was the purpose of taking this rest. But it says he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. We, we, do, we do know that later... Uh, it is stated that uh, that man should rest on the seventh day, and uh, so I think that part of the reason the Lord did that was to set an example for us. He says, "And God blessed the seventh day, sanctified it, because that in it He had rested from all His work, which God created and made." The reason I'm saying I don't think he was tired, and it's not stated that he was tired or worn out. It just says that he, uh, you know, why? when I think about it, it's like looking over something you've accomplished and evaluating it and saying, stating it was good and contemplating uh, what's going to happen next in the, in, in the future. But you, you needed to base... Um, and that's what's you know it's covering uh, uh, covering that covering the things that are important important to God and important should be important to us because he he calls them important. He says on uh, verse four, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And he goes on to say in verse 5, 
and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. We, we know that uh, the two things you need are the soil and then you also need the sun, the light, and you also need rain to water the uh, water the seed to make it grow. It says there was not a man to till the ground. Here, here, here again, uh, it gets into this thought about, uh, uh, you know, what was the purpose uh, for Adam, the man Adam? Well, it was to, to, to do this, to take care of the, uh, of the seeds. So it says in verse 6, And there went up a mist from the earth, and watered the whole face of the ground. So at this point in time, it had not rained, but the, but the mist comes up from the ground, and that's where you get the moisture from for the, for the, uh, the seeds that need to grow. Verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. I, there again, I, I mentioned before that there, there, there were ever other living creatures, and they were considered to be living souls because they moved and because they had, um, I think it's the word spirit there where it refers to um, uh, pneuma, which is the um, solical um, aspect of uh, the animals. Most animals operate more on instinct than they do on thinking, uh, like man does. But it is important to note, though, that uh, the Lord calls them uh, a a living soul, or they, yeah, they are a living soul. So it's not that they have a soul, but but they they have a soul in the fact that it took uh, God to uh, treat them, just treat them in a similar fashion that they can move and that they can uh, breathe and that they... need to uh, uh, consume uh, products that are growing here on the earth. It says in verse 8, and the, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man who he had formed. It goes, goes on to say in verse 9, And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It seems like that this is another practice that the Lord has. Uh, it's creating uh, good things, and then uh, at, at the same time, uh, the opposite, uh, knowledge of good and evil. Uh, and we know that's one of the things that the enemy uses to uh, deceive Eve was the uh, this ability to be able to know uh, uh, the difference between good and evil after she's deceived. So he he goes on in verse 10 and says, And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from since it was parted, and it it became into four heads. In other words, there was four 
uh, bodies of water that came from the one. He says the name of the first is Pison, that is, which com- uh, compasses the whole land of Wyla, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good, that is, Bedellium, uh, and the ox, ox and stone, ox, onyx stone, sorry. And the name of the second river is Gihon, the same as that that compresses the whole land of Ethiopia. He goes on to say in verse 14, and the name of the third river is Delphi. This is it which goeth toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. Verse 5, and the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it or to guard it or protect it. In verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. And you see that word, but? <laughs> In verse 17, that means we should pause and stop and say there's going to be something... He just said we could eat it, you know, eat every tree. And uh, then he says in 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Remember those uh, famous words there. This is, this is not a, you might die, or uh, we're not sure that that's going to happen. Uh, this is a, a penalty for eating of that tree of knowledge of good and evil is that you will surely die. 18. So again, this illustrates to me how the Lord tests or proves or gives a man a choice. And it seems to be his way. It's, it's, it's a way that the man learns and, and 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 believes, and it's a but, and it's also a way that God can observe this and see that that the man is uh, made in His image, so He has some similarities where He can make some choices and He can evaluate. Uh, I, I know one of the things He has us evaluate are the scriptures. That we compare scripture with scripture and see if these things are so, like the Burns did. So I think this is a, a, another a reason why the Lord created us in such a way that we can uh, we can know we can we can, we can know the truth, and He wa- He wants to reveal the truth to us. He says in verse 18, and the Lord God said, "It is not good that a man should be alone." And I was thinking, not that God was ever alone, but I was just—I was just thinking that He had uh, had taken on different forms or taken on different images, uh, as the Father, as the Son, and as the Holy Spirit. Each one of these uh, persons had things that they could do that would limit them, except for the Holy Spirit. And he, he seemed to be uh, much harder for us to know. He, uh, he's invisible. 
He can be everywhere present. He's everywhere present now, holding us all together. And he, he can be in any place that he needs to be at any given time because of being the Holy Spirit. So it says it's not good that man should be alone. And so that that point about uh, Adam being alone would would help me understand why marriage is so important to God and why we uh, why we're better off uh, having a helpmate. He says, "I will make him a helpmate." Of course, we know that turns out to be Eve, but it is a uh, this idea of marriage and male and female and, and having someone to go uh, through life with I think is uh, very important to God and we uh, sometimes uh, as mankind don't really see the uh, real value in it sometimes we point out more the things that are different about this rather than uh, bringing out the things that we're very much alike in he says in 19, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and he brought them into Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. See the power and the responsibility there that Adam had to be able to do that? And the Lord didn't change it or say, well, I don't you know think that was the right name he let him use his own imagination his own thoughts to uh, to make those decisions he said and adam gave names to all cattle and the fowl of the air to every beast of the field but for adam there's that word but again for adam there was not found a help meet for him in other words all the animal creation there none of them could could meet the need uh, that uh, Paul, or not Paul, but Adam, was going to going to need, and reproduction again comes into play. So uh, it tells me that uh, man can't uh, reproduce with uh, any of the of the rest of the creation. It would it would have to be with um, uh, someone who was was a human and a female. Uh, he goes on in 21 and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof so this is our first surgery here and uh, it also shows the similarity in between uh, Adam and his wife it says in the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man made he a woman and he brought her unto the man and Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. It seems another thing that, that people want to struggle with now is figure out why these, why women are called women and why men are called, are called a man. Well, I, I do, I'm going to go with, with what the Lord says. It makes perfect sense to me, and I don't think I have to struggle with this uh, 
with these words, these names, they perfectly satisfy what the Lord wanted uh, to convey to us as humans. 24 says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. 25 says, And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. So in that particular position that they were in at that point in time, since they hadn't partaken of that of the fruit of the tree, they were knowing good and evil, they didn't know they were naked. And that's kind of, a, you know, being innocent like that is kind of a good thing. Uh, we can't, uh, uh, or at least the Lord doesn't hold us accountable for things we don't, don't know anything about. And in this particular case, uh, after they uh, partake of that, that fruit uh, of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, then they're going to be held accountable. So now let's go to Genesis 18. I could, I could go and read all these things, but I don't know that I need to do that because what I'm th- thinking about and talking about is the image of God. And in this case, it's images of God. So um, Genesis 18, I'm going to read uh, 1 to 22. Looks like my time's going faster than what I'm used to, but that's typical, I think. I think. Uh, it says, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day, and he lifted up his eyes and looked. Lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. So there, there must be an awareness here that uh, the, these men are uh, more than just uh, the average man. Uh, th- these men are holy men. Uh, and I think, I think it's God himself in the image, uh, the human image. And then I also think there's a possibility, good possibility, there were a couple angels that had joined uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this... Uh, uh, because of this, he wants uh, he wants to worship them. He wants to uh, to have them stay and, and eat and, uh, and 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 talk, communicate. So it says in verse three, and, and said that, my Lord, if if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away. I pray thee from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. So perhaps this thing about feet washing kind of started clear back here because it was, uh, you know, the the feet uh, were dusty and needed to be uh, washed. And so these, these, uh, uh, this is what was done to them. He says in verse 5, And I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. After that you shall pass on. For therefore are you come to your servant, and they uh, and they said, so do as thou has asked. So Abraham was uh, is the one who uh, was speaking to him, and was the Lord came and visited him. He ha- he that had to you know feel 
very special. Another, there's a, a verse, I can't remember which, exactly which one it was, but it says that Abraham is a friend of God. And so uh, he didn't think of him as an enemy, but rather he thought of him as a friend. And he wanted to uh, uh, to talk uh, talk with him and, and with his wife. So it says, Abraham hasted into the tent and to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, make cakes upon the art, on the hearth. And Abraham ran into the herb and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it to a young man, and he hasted to dress it. And then in verse 8 it says, And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. This is a this is always an interesting account. And it says, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, and lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old and well-stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. In other words, she was past the time of uh, having a baby. And so as a result of that, uh, this is why she, it says in 12, that she laughs. It says, therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I am axed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said in that, of course the Lord, you know, can read minds, so this is not a, uh, you're not going to hide anything from him. And he's very much aware that she, that she laughed. And he says, uh, Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I have a surety bear a child when I'm old? And this is a really good question. He says, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And of course, Sarah is kind of embarrassed more than likely. So then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. Probably a valuable lesson <laughs> for all of us to learn that, you know, we can't really deceive the Lord. He, know, he knows. 16 says, And the men rose up from the fence and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went and with them to bring them on the way. And in other words, I'm reading these things and thinking about these things. Is It just shows to us, to God, in a way that uh, we know that he cares about us. We know that he thinks about us, that he watches over us, that he protects us. It doesn't mean that you know something bad might happen to us. I don't think he... Has uh, you know give, given us paradise on earth, especially not not right now. But I do think uh, in eventually we'll be uh, in the super heavens with him, and uh, that will certainly be uh, the heaven far above all heavens. And so th- this interest that God has in mankind uh, is uh, is very important, and we should never uh, 
deny that or think that he doesn't that he's not watching or he doesn't care. He uh, he has the ability to look into any manner manner that he wants to. In this case, it's very important that Sarah has a son, or she's the mother, and Abraham is the is the father. There's going to be a great nation come from uh, that son. So it says, and, and the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken to him. So uh, I think it was interesting uh, last week when I was listening uh, to uh, uh, Phil that he was talking about the kingdoms. And I was thinking thinking how uh, interesting it is that that, uh, these kingdoms, when they were, it was a good king and the king was, ruling uh, in, in, a, in a manner and fashion in which the Lord wanted, they prospered. And we also saw when that leader, when that king, a different king, after that one died, that the uh, kingdom uh, was, was not going well. It was not uh, being successful as it had been. And I think that is interesting to think, to think that way, uh, to, to, do the, to do the right thing. Uh, is, is something the Lord can bless, and uh, that he, and He can uh, determine uh, those things that we do, that, and the reason why we do them, uh, and wh- and why we can be blessed. So He says, and the Lord said, because of the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin. So see, He wasn't living in, in Sodom and Gomorrah, but His nephew was and so that's important that we we see that and see the see the difference in how the lord sees this and, and by the way sodom and gomorrah was beautiful uh it had it met every need and requirement uh but they whatever the reason chose to uh, chose to chose uh, sin and chose not to live the way the lord uh, told them to live Therefore, um, they're, they're going to be judged for it. He says, I'll go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is coming to me, and if not, I will know. So the men turned their faces and thence and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? So he begins to bargain with the Lord. Um, the, the Lord doesn't seem to want to uh, prevent him from do this, to, bar- to bargain. But he says, Peradventure there will be fifty righteous within the city. Will thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? And uh, the Lord gives that a thought. And he says, uh, that that be far from thee to do after the manner to slay the righteous with the wicked, and you know that that's a question of saying is this just, you know? And he says that the righteous should be as wicked, that be far from thee shall not the judge of the of all the earth do right. 
this is one of his bargaining things, is that uh, ask for mercy for, for those uh, people at uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. So in 26 it says, The Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the, to the Lord, for I am but dust and ashes. So you know, he, Abraham has a right uh, opinion of himself. He says, For a bench, pure furniture, there be that uh, there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. Will thou destroy all the city for a lack of five? And he said, If there if there be forty and five, I will not destroy it. Then he says in twenty nine, and he spake unto him yet again and said, Peradventure there shall be forty found there, and he said, I will not do it for forty's sake. Verse thirty he says unto him, Oh let not the Lord be angry and I will speak, peradventure there shall be, be thirty be found. And he said, I will, not, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And then finally in 31 he says, And he said, Now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, peradventure there shall be twenty found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. And, uh, you know, to me, I... I, I I feel like he has uh, uh, kind of got this down to. Well, we do, we do know if we read on here, he, he even gets it down to ten. He says uh, in verse uh, thirty-two, and he said, "Oh, let not the Lord be angry, that I will speak yet once more. Peradventure ten shall be found." And he said, "I'll not destroy it for ten's sake." And the Lord went his way. In other words, he's not going any lower than this. And uh, Abraham uh, better. Uh, just to be satisfied with this this uh, ten, and the Lord went his way. And as soon as he had left communing with Abraham, and Abraham he returned to his place. So that's as uh, that's as far as I want to read uh, today. Uh, hopefully, uh, the next time we get together, I'm going to be over in uh, Hebrews chapter seven, in verses uh, one to twenty-eight. But I, to me, it's helping me get an understanding of how God thinks and reasons and how much power he's given man. And he seems to have an, enough patience to uh, not be offended by the questions that Abraham had. And like I said, Abraham is said to be a friend. So that is a, that's a really good thing. So with that, I'm uh, going to... Uh, uh, close uh, tonight's session. I'll, I'll pray a quick prayer and then we'll uh, open up uh, the, the room for if anybody wants to say or comment. Our Heavenly God and Father, thank you again for giving us a, a little bit of glimpse into how you think and how you reason and how you've been willing to share your power and your ability to uh, to reign and to be just and to um, give us the opportunity to serve you in that fashion. So we uh, truly appreciate all that you do, and we are certainly uh, thankful that you are the uh, kind of God who loves, who forgives, and, and who is uh, 
again, willing to share those uh, things that, that um, you have created and that we can enjoy them and we can also give you credit for all that you do and all that you say. And uh, just say again that uh, to God be the glory, great things he has done. So with that, I'll open up the room.